2: i'm brett and i'm steven and we are the The broadway Broadway husbands Husbands. we're just our all-american married couple making their living in the arts and pursuing a growing family on the broadway husbands podcast we offer advice from our ordinary lives under extraordinary circumstances
1: we are living proof that you can love who you love and love what you do make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss our weekly episodes and if you really love us Make sure you leave a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at Broadway Husbands. We are
2: so honored to be a part of the Broadway Podcast Network family. If you haven't checked out broadwaypodcastnetwork.com, go take a look and see an array of amazing podcasts for theater lovers out there. And today we have some very special guests, people who... We consider family in our lives, actually. I'm going to get a little emotional saying that. Um, and it is Steve Blanchard and, and Meredith, Meredith Inglesby.
1: Blanchard. <laughs> Blanchard.
3: Blanchard. Hi, my little precious. Hi. Oh, no. Hi. Is it's the, this thing on? It is on. Hello. <laughs> We're here. We're here. Hi, Broadway husband slash husbands.
1: Hello. <laughs> oh,
2: my husbands. Oh my gosh, we God. are
0: living proof that we can love who we love too.
2: Yeah, 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 and love what you do. You That's guys have right. what you do. Yeah. Well, for, for people who are listening that don't know who you are, can you tell? I actually would love to hear it myself. I've never heard you guys talk about how you describe who you are um, separately, and and then we'll talk about how you are together as a couple. Steve. Um, why don't you start? Like, what? What do you do? Who are you? Tell us. Break it
3: down. Break it down.
0: Do you down. know
2: who I am? <laughs> do,
3: you, do you know who he thinks he
0: is? Do you know who I think I am? <laughs> uh, I'm uh, just uh, just an actor. Um, you know, the, the, tried out for the football team. Was the slowest linebacker on the team, and so uh, Someone dropped out of the play in high school, and. Um, and uh i got the part and i've been on that journey ever since
2: and your that's what what you do but your credits include some amazing things but what i met you when you were doing beauty and the beast yes um which you did for how many years
0: in total 11 and a half years
2: in the show i think i met you like your 10th year i think we did for like a year and a half or something but um
3: Tell but, me a little bit of a history about the show, like how you yeah, you, how you yeah. started yeah. with the show.
0: Okay, the first. Became... Uh, also, the first time I did the show with Brett, I I literally turned around, and he was on his Lumiere. Because you know I don't pay attention to anybody else unless they're right in front of my face. No, so
3: <laughs> that's not how narcissism works.
0: So. <laughs> I turned and I looked at this person I thought, my God, that is the prettiest human being I think I have ever seen in my life. And I was distracted. I went, okay, all right, get back to the play now. Okay, go.
3: Focus, focus. focus, focus.
2: Oh, I was young. I was 25. I
0: yes, yes,
3: 20.
0: um, yeah, very pretty. Uh, yeah, so uh, oh, I did the show for 11 and a half years, uh, started as the standby for both Beast and Gaston played a lot of Nintendo on the eighth floor of the Palace um, Theater.
3: That's not changed, it's and, just in our uh, apartment. <laughs> and it's, eventually
0: it's a- they shipped me up to Toronto to play the Beast up there. Chuck Wagner came down from Toronto to play the Beast in New York. And when that closed in Toronto, I came back to New York uh, as the standby once again for about three months. And then I took over for Gaston for a year and a half, I guess, and then they offered me the Beast, and I played it for another eight years.
2: Wow! Just you, a, you were so so good in that. That's amazing. Um, oh, it's but tragic. you were, you were fabulous. And you were, you were fabulous. the prettiest. No, the prettiest <laughs> Beast. Ever. I remember turning around and thinking, that is. The prettiest beast. Um, (laughs) But you've also done some other really like I I some of your credits that I think are cool is like that Camelot tour you did. Talk what was talk about that.
0: That was awesome. It was a uh, I had been doing chess. I was doing chess at Paper Mill, and the director Norb Jorder saw the show the night before my audition. And so the next day I went in to audition for uh, for Lancelot and I was singing Freddie at night, you know, with the high C's and the D's. And then I had to go in the next day and go live over. I will leave you. Um, And they and they cast me. It was uh, Robert Goulet as uh, King Arthur and. Goulet. Yes, Goulet is King Arthur. And uh, we started on a tour, uh, and about nine months in, all of a sudden, we were going to Broadway for a summer replacement. So we, we, Played the Gershwin for three months in the summer of 1993 don't say them yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, very it was, young it was a great experience uh, those those years I spent with him were glorious we became fast and furious friends played a lot of golf together drank a lot of wine together and uh, yeah it was fun It was awesome
2: I highly encourage anyone who's listening, go to Google, look up Steve Blanchard and that Camelot tour, and you'll see the definition of a mullet like right next to your
3: <laughs> quintessential mullet.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's I, actually threatened to grow it back. Dude, and I, I was like, only if you, you want should. a different wife. Only uh, if you need to have a different wife. Joe, yo,
1: you should
0: definitely you grow it. Back, back, if you go back and look at Certain uh, pictures during Viewing the Beast I still hung on to that sucker till about nineteen oh, 19- yeah.
3: R- into the 90s. he hung on tight. I think we're actually looking at we have a beautiful uh print uh Hirschfeld that uh, of uh Robert and Patricia Keys and Steve as uh Arthur Lancelot and Guinevere and uh it, it it's got the mullet in it. There immortalized <laughs> the her, mullets. Hershball do my mullet, baby. i so proud.
2: But so Meredith, yes. what, tell, tell us, us about, yes. your, about your Ma. performance experience. Yes. Uh,
3: I I grew up in a very uh musical family in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Um I was the kid that was performing uh for everybody at a young age, and i didn't necessarily think, okay, this is going to be my life's passion, my life's calling. I just knew I needed to be creative and I knew I was good at singing and good at, um, portraying roles. And, uh, and I moved to New York and, uh, started auditioning and it, it, I mean, I got some training too in college, but I, I just decided I wanted to give it a try. And, and no one in my family had ever done anything like that. No one was a uh, professional artist in any way, they just were musical naturally, and uh, so it was. It was supported by my family, but not necessarily understood. And uh, I think my my father kept thinking, "Okay, she's gonna move back to the south in a couple of years, so we don't need to worry about it too much. She'll become an insurance agent. I'm sure," you know. So, <laughs> but that didn't happen. It just kept getting uh, better. I just kept auditioning and kept um, booking really cool jobs and. That took me, you know, a lot of regional theater first and then a lot of um, national tours and then came Disney. And I mentioned Disney because Disney has sort of defined my career. I have had the privilege of working in four major Disney productions, um, uh, originating uh, in one of them, which is just such a, a, a gift. And um have continued to work for Disney in various ways and uh, Disney Theatrical really did truly change my life and became my career path uh, and my family and I got to do really special things um actually originated two Disney shows. I just yeah, that. Yeah. I forgot about On the Record. Yeah. So On the Record was the first and I, I booked that and that was sort of my first big job. Um, And I went on the road and I... What were I, some of the
1: songs that you sang in oh On my the Oh my
3: gosh, if anyone hasn't listened to the On the Record soundtrack, oh. it is one of the best compilations of Disney music. If you love Disney music, it is... The
2: arrangements are... The
3: arrangements so by David Chase are brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I got the... You know, I love singing um, parts, singing really, you know, I'm, I'm a big harmonizer. And I so I got to sing like second second soprano or it was like this really I got to sing all the interesting, cool harmonies. And that show originated some amazing performers' careers. I mean, Ashley Brown, that was her first big thing. Andy Carl. Andy Carl one of his big first things. There was, oh, Andrew Zimonski. I mean, then it was Emily Skinner, uh, Brian Sutherland. I mean, the, the list goes on. It was just such an amazing group of people. And um, anyway, after that closed, I moved. I went back to New York and I had the opportunity to audition for Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. I, I I was in the family now so Mm -hmm. i got to i kind of had the in with that
1: so you're in the family i'm in the family now on the record yeah
3: i went in for beauty and the beast and i um there was an opening uh coming up for one of the principals for uh the sexy feather duster babette and i got you know when you walk into an audition and or you may not know but for those that don't know when you walk into an audition or a job interview and you just know you're going to get it you just know okay i i was made for this i was made for this role i could do it in my sleep i don't even have to try like it's just in my body in my soul in my spirit Everything about that role—that uh, was one of the more fun auditions I've ever had in my life. I had one audition; it was a fift- fifteen-minute audition. They worked with me. There were like ten people behind the table. I was the second one to go in the room because the girl in front of me was like, "Can I go before you?" Because I—I have another audition to go to. I was like, "Sure, sure, sure." So she jumped in front of me, and then I went in. And I—you just know when you know, you know. And I—and I—I I didn't think about it any after that. I was like, "Okay, well, hopefully, I got it." And um
0: I think they wanted to cast you right there. Our friend Marcusano, and- <laughs> who
3: was the company manager, told us later. He said, You walked in, you spoke three words and we went, Okay, well that's huh. <laughs> her. Only <were> like seventeen <laughs> girls waiting in the you know, in the lobby. And
0: Kazrin and- said, Well, we have to see the other girls. My because- cousin I was like, mm, <laughs> mm.
3: Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, you just know when you know. So anyway, I booked it, and that show was beautiful. It was not only my Broadway debut, but it was where I met you, Brett. Did you were you there already, or did you come in very soon
2: after?
3: I think you came in like a month after I did.
2: It was pretty soon after you started.
3: And God, that was so fun. I loved that with you, and and then I also met my future husband, who had been there, like. Who's this new chick? <laughs> How is hey uh, the old you know,
0: grizzled veteran the old
3: grizzled veteran like didn't notice me for a half a year before he even said hi. You know, whatever. We had no scenes together. But also, so I mean it was whatever. But
0: also you have to tell the audience that tell you know, the audience when you're in that show and anyone who's done it knows you're literally covered from neck yeah. to foot. Yeah. In some encased costume, mm-hmm. and then the head is usually got a headpiece of some sort yeah. of whatever character you are, yeah. whatever piece of cutlery you are, uh,
3: yes, piece of or cutlery. animal
0: being, mm-hmm. yes. And then the so the only thing that's exposed is the oval, the oval of the face yes. is it. So yeah. I didn't know what she looked like. I had no idea. He also didn't care. I didn't care, and <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> He was very
3: focused. He had been in the show for ten years at that point, literally, and had been playing the Beast for what six and a half, six, oh six, okay. like that, and was a little in a, a, a rhythm. A a he was zone. in a rhythm yeah. of not that. really, you know, he 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 was he kept it fresh. He he. In fact, we listened to this beautiful podcast the other day that Jay Bender said something mm. so sweet about you. He said. Uh, that you did the beast for eight years, but every time you did it, it was as if you'd done it you were doing it for the first time. You brought sure. such a freshness to right. it. And that was such a yep. nice compliment
2: he yes, gave Lord. you. And it was true. It made me weep. So consistent. But
3: backstage he was a little crabby. <laughs> 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 like, Come
0: on. <laughs> I'm in a bear costume. Yeah, it was, and, it was hot. And you literally had to go right from the stage to the dressing room with mm-hmm. the air conditioner. In February, because mm-hmm. you you tended to, to heat up, it was like a little thermos, and you couldn't cool down unless you got right in front of the AC. <laughs> yep, it's
3: okay, babe. It's okay.
2: I just remember, like, I I joined the company first off. I what I did with Meredith was I would have therapy sessions in her dressing room. I would oh, just yeah. come in there, We do that for it's, each other. Yeah, we just talk about all the drama of our dating life. But I remember Blanchard would just you know, every time, if I passed him at any moment, he would just go, barb, <laughs>
3: That's right. <laughs> he was oh in his football God. phase. That was his yeah. football phase. I'm happy to report he is not in a football phase of life anymore. Thank oh, God.
0: very angry with the NFL. He's right very now.
3: angry with the NFL, yeah. as as most of us are. And uh, so, yeah. yeah. And the fact that his home... Team for his whole life has been the Washington Redskins, who he has renamed the Washington Indigenous Peoples. Um hopefully that name will change soon, yeah, which I, is I in know, the it's works. A, it's
0: a long overdue. Long But yeah. uh, seriously.
1: So <laughs> when was the first time, Steve, that you saw Meredith out of her feather oh, scut- <laughs> duster cap? When you did and did you know that it was the same woman on stage as off? Were you like, "Wait, do I know uh, you? like how how did that happen?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I had heard uh, my makeup artist Vinnie, um, who's the straightest makeup artist in the in the entire world. Um, <laughs> he said, he said oh my God, I just saw the new Babette." Not <laughs> oh, really okay all right and so i i never saw her out of costume uh we didn't have any scenes together the only scene that we were in together uh, was the finale well, that's not a scene you know what i don't mean. look at you the only time we're on wasn't stage looking at you. <laughs> i'm talking about when we played a scene together it was it was that very first scene in the castle where the lights flash, it goes dark, right. the beasts come in what are you doing in my castle? And <laughs> she's, sh- you know, was shimmering by the chair and sure. she disappears before I appear on the chair. Yes. But I never saw her. I didn't know what she looked like. And the other scene was human again. I got my back to the audience reading the Reading the, Read the book, book with Bell, and
2: you're down center going,
0: Why are you so angry right now? Why are you so angry right now? It's
2: bringing I, up some history, all right? Yeah, That's I right. that So
0: I did I, I never knew what she looked like. Yeah. So anyway, to answer your question, Stephen, one, uh, one day uh, I came in, I guess I was later, you were early, one of the two, and I walked into the call board, and there was this hot <laughs> brunette, standing at the call board reading or signing in or something and there was this booty attached to her that I thought who is that and why what don't is and, that and why don't I know that she's in the show.
3: And why don't I know her? I've been in the show for about eight months at this point. At least eight
0: months. Yeah.
1: Probably a year. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> So that so that's okay. So that's how it happened. And Meredith, I think, well, according to IBDB, it said you were in the show for like a year and a half. Is that right? It was two and a half. It was two and a half. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right.
3: Around there. Two-ish. Um and we became friends just through, you know, all of a sudden he knew who I was from my right. bottom. And um, but no. <laughs> No, um, uh, but I want to move from beauty, though. I want to go to the next thing that happened, which was um, I got Mermaid. Mm -hmm. And we, Brett and I, got to originate Mermaid together. And it was the fun part was it was going right back into the same theater uh, that Beauty was in. But. The fun, most fun part about it for me was that, um, that's the same, like this year that Brett and Steven started dating and, uh, we basically started dating within like a few months of each other. You mm-hmm. met him like right when we started kind of finally. Well, you were it. keeping
2: you were keeping your little thing on a on the DL for a minute. We weren't kept you? it on the DL. Yeah, yeah.
3: We had to. We he we were both mm-hmm. just out of relationships, long relationships, A of all. And B of all, we just didn't want everybody in the company knowing our business because it was such a little, you know, everybody just constantly gossiping. As you do. As you do.
2: <laughs> and so what else are you gonna do?
3: What else are you gonna do? <laughs> but with, so we just didn't want anyone to know.
0: So yeah. we would we would leave the the theater, which is on Forty Sixth Street, the Longfuntan, and we would walk all the way over to Sixth Avenue. because no one ever goes
3: to Sixth. The Avenue. other one. <laughs> <Sixth Avenue. laughs> no one goes east.
0: And then yeah. separately, of course, and then we would get on separate trains, mm-hmm. and we would meet downtown.
3: I lived downtown, so we would meet near uh, where know, I lived.
0: We would meet down in Chelsea somewhere. Yeah, nice. and that's where we
3: would have our dates. But it was it was, gosh, about three or four months in before the company knew. Mm-hmm. I guess.
2: Yeah, and then I remember also, um, you and I would during our mermaid callbacks would go practice on our heelys between shows <laughs> Do
3: in, you remember in that? Union Square. <laughs>
1: we would just we like,
3: would go to Union Square and roll around in our Heelys and, and-,
1: and go practice. And that's actually one of my first memories of seeing Brett somewhere. He was sitting across from me um, in this lobby of a hotel and we, you know, we had talked for a little bit, but he was sitting there with the Heelys on kind of like practicing. And I was like, weird weird
2: it's not 1990 <laughs> anymore dude what are you doing <laughs> on oh, i chilling. also remember do you i don't remember if you remember this meredith but i remember john Tartaglia was lemire yep and you and me and him were, were buddy buddy mm-hmm. and i remember i was like you guys have got to see this guy i'm dating <laughs>
1: Do you remember this? Oh, and, you, yes. and you guys came to the stage door and judged me when I came to And pick I was like, Come, on. he's meeting me at the stage hey, door. No, they we literally were, like opened the door were not, and we're like, he's here. <laughs> we see him. Uh-huh. And I was like, Hey guys. We were like, not judging
3: <laughs> you, we were sexually ogling you. That's what it was. <laughs> We were we were completely checking you out what it was.
2: And I was like, you guys, I can't believe I'm dating this guy. You gotta see him. I don't know how long this is gonna last. <laughs> it <was so> funny. <laughs> and here we are. Here we but are. Then
3: the best was Denver during Little Mermaid when our Stevens would come to visit. I don't know how much of this story I should really tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a little X rated, but we were. Okay, I haven't seen. Brett yeah. and I were, were sharing an apartment together and a two bedroom apartment, and our Stevens would come to visit us at the same time, and it was
2: was it was a it was a battle (laughs) battle of the beds (laughs)
3: beds. (laughs) anyway we got to like woo each other at the same time it
1: was it was really special it was very special. before we move on from beauty and the beast Mm -hmm. i want to talk to steve a little bit about what you know like i mean it's really hard to do a long run like i mean i have not done that long Mm -hmm. of a run but like i know how it felt so tell me like What are some of the like key things that you did every day to stay um, focused and stay you and stay happy? Like what were like three things that you did routinely to keep you going? Well, first of all, I've never
0: been a short run guy. I've always been a long for the long haul. Yeah. I don't know how actors do it, to to be honest, how they, you know, you do a show for three months or six months or even a year and then you leave. You haven't scratched the surface of the mm-hmm. character in that amount of time. <clears throat> um, so well, every based- actor is
3: different. I think some yeah, I mean, thrive he- on that, the the newness of it and the creation of something. And yeah,
0: People are different. Every actor is different. But for me, it was about um, the slow discovery process, night after night after night. So I would literally use each performance as a take, a different take, like on a film. You would do a different take and I would use it as a live rehearsal in front of thousands of people. So one night you try this, if it works, you keep it for a while, you try this, if it doesn't, you throw it out. So you're basically rehearsing in front of a live audience night after night after night. Now what that does is it keeps it obviously fresh, every single time because you're trying new things, but you're also uncovering layer after layer after layer after layer of the character. And I was still discovering things in my eighth year as the beast as I was in the first year. It, it, it really is a, a remarkable process to be able to do that.
1: Wow. And did you find that um, typically you're in a place where you're supported to do that by your um, creative team?
0: yeah they they gave me the foundation jim harker who was the original production stage manager of beauty um uh, actually put me into the show uh, at the when i came into the show beauty was the biggest hit in the world so they were in osaka they were in sydney they were in london there was no one in new york to put me in because everyone else was all around the world so jim harker uh, was the was the psm terrific guy but you could tell he really wanted to be a director so he laid out for me all the the foundational elements of the character and i was still using that in my final year that basic foundation of the character such as never let up in the first act you got to hammer it you can't go for the comedy you got to hammer it and hammer it and hammer it so in the in the second act you have somewhere to go you have some redemption quality the the cracked mirror above the fireplace is cracked for a reason. It's like an alcoholic. You don't know what's going to come into the room. Are we going to get the nice beast or are we going to get the raging beast? What beast are we going to get? And so I would use these foundational principles throughout the entire piece and then add my take on to it. He did not have a put in for me with the principles when I went on. So when I went on for the very first time, he he said to me, I don't want them to see you in rehearsal. I want them to see you in performance. <clears throat> and so I went on and I was so prepared because he was such a stickler for rehearsal. I was like, Jeez, can we just take a break? Nope. Do it again. So <laughs> I, I was so prepared. I missed, I missed nothing. Not one moment, not one beat in the first time I did it. And the rest of the cast was just, you know, jaw jaw on the floor because they had no idea they had no idea so there you go that's cool good
3: hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting
1: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wait, one more thing about it. So I think just for like younger listeners or for listeners who are possibly Mm going to pursue a career in musical theater. In those eight years, before you get to the theater or when you get to the theater, You were you warming up like what kind of did you always have some sort of warm up process or maintenance of your voice, your body, or your body? Like what were those things? I
0: mean, when you do any Broadway show eight times a week over the course of sick days, you gotta you gotta be in shape, man, and you gotta eat right. You gotta get plenty of sleep. You gotta do all those natural things. Drink plenty of water. Blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. We we all know those things.
3: You have to be an athlete. You have to to be be physically in shape and. And and mentally in shape and emotionally in shape, y- you have to take care of yourself in order. You're like a marathon runner. You can't just. You're not a sprinter. You have to be in for the long haul.
0: And, uh, and I have the stamina. I warmed up both physically and vocally before the show. Uh, you know, stretchy, stretchy, warmy, warmy, whatever. <laughs> but luckily, even in
1: year eight, even in year eight, right? Even year eight, yeah. Okay, I, <laughs> I did. Right. I yeah. To. I just wanna like-
0: Here's
2: the thing hes about- also
3: know this about him. He's very habitual. So he would oh, right. come to the theater, the same walk the path that he did, the same
2: path very routine. yes from
3: the garage. <laughs> he lived in New Jersey at the time. Walk the same path. Walk into the stairs. Say the same things. Do the same things. Do the same things. He's very habitual like that. He thrives in that. So I, yeah.
0: I've lived in New York since 1981, and we would pass by things on the street, and I would say.
3: Wow. No, no. I never knew that was there. Literally, well, how long have you lived here? 30 something years. <laughs> he literally says to me all the time we'll be walking. I mean, not lately, but, you know, before the COVID, he says, Hey, let's move. Why don't we move to the Upper West Side? And I'm like, It's so beautiful. And he's like, It's so beautiful. I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> Why don't you know this already? Like 30 years ago. like I, would, I, would I mean, go it was from the different. Theater to the
0: parking garage, go home. Theater to the parking garage, He does garage, it all the time. Home. It's
3: so funny. I laugh at him. Um, uh,
0: so I think the, the difference, what, what separates you as far as the preparation to doing a long run is do all this stuff. We all know all those things, but it's, yeah. it's focusing on the the character I mean, even on those days when, you know, I'd rather be home with my feet up, drinking beer, watching football, don't want to do Beauty and the Beast one more time because I've done it 8,000 times. Literally. And you get out there and you get sucked into that story, which is the most beautiful story ever written. And the character and the relationship between you and Belle, and it just whisks you off into this wonderful world that was an actor's dream. I mean, yeah. it really is. And it's the same with any show. If, once you commit to the character, you are swept away and you have no choice. Even when yeah. you're tired, your back is hurting, you got no voice, you got allergies, you know, you had a fight with your spouse or your girlfriend or your lover and you're just pissed off or whatever. You get stuck into the drama and it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing.
2: What was your policy on calling out? Because I feel like everyone... People have their different policies, right? People like, I can take a mental health day or not. Was that something for you? Like, I don't call out. I just take my sick days if I'm sick or, or what? I'm,
0: I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I I think can count on my two hands the amount of shows I missed in 11 and a half years because of illness.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now that's, you it's know. pretty
3: healthy as a horse. There
0: too. are some days when you get out there and get to the. Top of that West Wing and the closing of Act One, you think I should not have done the show today?
3: I have no voice.
0: Um, Let the world
3: be done
0: now. The reason why. I said,
3: me.
0: The reason With I said, me, yeah. yeah, that's all
2: right. Let the orchestra play out. That's the,
0: the reason why I said, why I prefaced it when I'm being honest, because I was in the show for uh, eleven years. I wanted to go see theater and i would take a personal day to go see the new latest craze show you know
3: you also took some time off to do other projects and yeah, they gave the you some of absences yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: to go do other stuff but uh for the most part anytime i missed it was usually to go see a play
3: or like shoot and, something or, or shoot yeah, something yeah yeah not animals Shoot some film or TV. <laughs> we have to know. say that in these day at this day and age.
0: they were so <laughs> cool over there too. Because I would
2: say,
3: you know what, I gotta go. I, I gotta go, and
2: they, oh yeah, be, okay,
3: well, go. Yeah, just well, go. they knew how stable you were. I mean, yeah. like, yeah.
2: you were so consistent. I mean, seriously, yeah. you were so freaking consistent. And I remember just you were such a rock for that for that show. And I will say, like, even being an understudy ensemble person, that was probably. The, still to this day, my most favorite job I've ever had was, was Beauty and the Beast. Same. Because because the story was so good, the show was so good, the music was so good, it was, a really was, so good, it was magic. i think
3: of leadership in the company. Um, it was a family. It was just a really good, the show was so good. You know, it was just a great experience. Beautiful experience. Okay, and back you know, created too. friendships for life.
2: So now, um, so you met your beauty... While wow, you were the bees,
3: yeah. <laughs> not the princess.
2: Do you remember? Do you remember Perfect. who said "I love you" first? Mm. When that happens,
3: oh, it's so funny. I think back on that, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't because. I, I remember. Oh, I know. I remember you talking when you. I listened to you and 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 your interview, your podcast with Heidi uh, and Nick Rolf. And, and they were talking about how when you just know, you know. And there really was this not a, like an electric, you know, lightning bolt, but there was this moment where we were sitting together. We were not dating. We were just friends, and we were sitting having a coffee on Eighth Avenue, and we just looked at each other, and there was like this moment of like, oh. This is, you're okay. You're, this is okay. Hi, there you are. And, and at that moment, it was sort of game on forever. And you just, I don't remember there was this, there was no like a big moment of, I must tell you something I've been with for. I don't remember there being that moment. I do remember that moment of recognizing, uh, the connection and the power of the, of the, the beauty of the connection. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think also I saw I I had started respecting him as a human and as a friend long before and, uh, saw what a good father he was and saw what a good, uh, leader in the company he was and what a good actor he was and just a good human person, kind, loving person, understanding, um, he's extremely, um, open-minded and understanding and loving and we and we talk and I just remember also this is something I remember having a conversation with him about early on that was like oh this is my this is my partner for life he said we said you know this is a business where you're you're surrounded by really beautiful people in really intimate situations all the time And you're going to find yourself being drawn to other people and, and that's natural and normal and just talk about it with each other. And, and I remember when we talked about that, it was like, ah, how honest, Mm -hmm. why are we trying to pretend like we're not human beings that have urges and feelings and, Mm. you know, and, and, and. It really just oh, it left the door open for so much love and honesty and um, authenticity and possibility, and it was tested, and we we found each other through it even deeper, you know. And so, mm-hmm. it's become this uh, beautiful life partnership that has its ups and downs all the time, but it's. I
0: it, it I works. realized right away that because we're
3: honest with each other,
0: I had never come across a human being much less one that looks like this
3: oh. <laughs> uh well i'm not as young as i once was but you still I got never, it girl never, hey never
0: come across a human being who was as loving giving supportive open-minded and nurturing as mermer so uh, it was kind of a no-brainer for me you know it was it was kind of and i always i always tell her this I clarify it this way. I kind of stepped in a whole lot of pile of goodness. You <clears throat> know you know how you just kind of be bopping down the street, doop, doop, doop. And then bang, step right in. whoa, look at you. And that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of, kind of how I do it.
3: Uh, and in that same vein, like he, he lost all his family. Um, he's an only child. So he, his parents are both gone and, and my parents adopted him, you yes. know, so he's got this other little family and my sister is his sister. And, She's actually going to have a baby in a couple weeks.
1: Yay. <laughs> and, an
3: aunt and an uncle for the first time. Um, and
1: Meredith, were did you always hope and plan to have um, children of your own? And like, what was, what was your journey like? Um, Becoming a stepmother and then oh. becoming a mother. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yes. I never, ever thought in a million years I would marry a man with children. I right. didn't I didn't necessarily have a vision for my life, though. I sort of was just, I was very fly by the seat of my pants. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so when I fell in love with a man that was much older, he's, we're 15 years difference. Um, and with two children. And at the time they were seven and ten. Seven and, seven and eight, seven and 11, seven and 11, seven, 12, yeah. seven, 12 11. Um, uh, the girls I'd already known from the two beautiful girls. Um, I knew them from seeing them around the theater and they knew me as a work colleague, but, um, it was always easy with them. They are such beautiful, sweet girls. And we, it was easy to just be, uh, I I never I never set out to be their mother. They have a great mother. I always just wanted them to look at me as a a, a positive female role model, role model. Uh, someone they can trust, someone that they could go to, um, that had their back. And and I think I succeeded in that. And they are. Um, it's wonderful to have stepdaughters that are so sweet and loving and we, get, we don't get to see them very much because they're grown adults grown adults now. Um, <laughs> they're uh, 22 almost 22 20. 21 and wow mm-hmm. oh my I'm god believe sydney and jade are that old now?
0: Oh my gosh. but she was a very um, positive female influence in their lives and that's what what's most important
2: i was just going to say just talking about the two of you i just feel like you both I see both of you as incredibly optimistic, incredibly, mm-hmm. um, positive people. And you, and I, and I see that you bring that out of each other, like even more, like there's something about your energy together that, that leans you both towards that direction, which I just think is so, so beautiful.
3: It's nice to hear.
2: So I just want to say that, like, I think that I see you both as incredibly optimistic people and, and, and then to see, um, you raise Ren together. So enter Ren. Oh, yes,
3: enter Ren. She's <laughs> our seven year old daughter that biologically we had together. Um, we made with our bodies and, <laughs> and a little help from medi- the medical <laughs> field. <laughs> we, made we made a person. Um, she was born in 2012. Um, God, what do we even say? It's,
2: it's, well,
3: love, love, talk about this kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, but talk about those first few years with Ren, because you were able to manage living Going on the road. road. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think were... that's a really interesting... Yeah, talk well, about she, that. She was born on the road, first of all. She was born mm-hmm. in
3: San Diego, because we were working at the Old Globe um, oh, when, right. I, the when I was due. And, yeah, Stevie was playing the Grinch at the Old Globe, and um, we had been doing that. Oh, and there she is. She's here.
2: To Just as she heard, her she heard her name.
3: <laughs> Say hi, guys. Um, hi. She anyway, she was born on the road
0: and um, And we were I mean we spent or I spent we spent we all spent the last um, 10 years after beauty, literally on the road. So uh, we'd go to Grinch, we'd go to uh, Tuts or Tots to do mermaid. We went back to San Diego to do uh, Annie Get your rifle. You know, we were just all over the place doing all things, all theater, all around the world. And we literally spent the last 10 years on the road, and that included our little toopy toops. Yeah. So she was born in San Diego, and the next thing was... Uh, we went well, to we Hilton kept, had to do spam a lot and right. then we'd go we go to San Diego and then we go to to Oklahoma. So we we were all over the place. So and so then we got newsies after that, which was another
3: when she was two a years. year and a half we both got newsies, um the National Tour of Newsies and so she she took so her on the she, road with us for two she years. Spent the first four
0: and a half years,
3: mm-hmm.
0: three and a half, four and a half years of her life mm-hmm. on the road.
3: I'm sure she'll be in therapy mm-hmm. talking about it in about 20 years. <laughs> no, we we think it's going to be. But she just had a really unique experience as a in her early childhood, and that was her normal, you know. And So as long as we were there, and as long as her schedule is the same, it didn't matter where we were or what we were doing. You know, she had us. So, and, yeah. and 20 guys in the company that all acted like her uncles or bro- older <laughs> brothers, you know, so, and you know, that experience was unbelievable and had friendship for life. And, you know, it, 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 it's, uh, she is amazing how resilient she is though, and how flexible she is. Um, and I think that's probably why is she spent the first part of her life kind of being Shipped and shuffled around in a little trunk, and uh, not literally. And
0: and, just, you about it? But, and we thought about
3: it, but <laughs> she used to change. You know, she can adapt really well to change, and she's actually mildly on the spectrum, so change is is a little scarier for her than most kids. And um but I think that experience actually helped her adapt better than she might have. In in other circumstances so i think it all happened the right
2: did your did your families think you're crazy i mean did your family think what are you doing this isn't how you raise a child i mean have you proved to them like because to yeah. me like i think in my am southern family who's gonna be like are you sure you want to raise a child in that kind of environment you know
3: i think did they you have that of that pushback i think my parents were a little concerned about her having a quote-unquote normal childhood um but really doesn't it just come down to normal is whatever you're used to yeah, and
2: yeah, as long
3: as yeah. it's filled with love and yeah. and and um, and communication and understanding, it doesn't matter where mm-hmm. where you are and what you're doing. Actors you know?
0: by and large are nomadic anyway yeah and there's no reason why she can't know that life as well. I mean look mm-hmm. at us. We've moved how many times in the last you know
3: ten years? Why have we moved so much? So we're <laughs> it's are. not
0: it's not it's not your grandparents' world where you 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 graduate high school, you buy a house, you get married, mm-hmm. and you live in the same town for the rest of your life. Yeah, until you die. It doesn't that's really not, work that way. That's not what we do. It's not how yeah.
3: we, how we operate. It's not our you know Well, actors, we can't operate that way. It's just so rare. I mean, you got to do it in beauty because you were in a show that was so long running. You actually had the wife right. and the kids in the country. And yeah. like he lived out there with his ex-wife and two girls in New Jersey and had that sort of normal lifestyle, except that you go at five o'clock and go to New York and be on so, be the beast. I, you
0: know, I, but course, <laughs> I, I recently, I recently said, okay, that's it. No more road. So mm-hmm. Other than a summer stock job for three weeks or something like that, we don't go on the road
3: anymore. Um, which a lot unless of people, something really great came
2: along. <laughs> sure,
3: <laughs> and sure. <then> this time, <laughs> this times, I mean, so we're gonna take whatever we can get. I figured out, <laughs> like
2: a, unless something great comes along, like a virus, like, <laughs> like, a virus. like <laughs> then we'll actually and we'll make take
3: whatever we can get. Uh,
2: <laughs> no. So
0: uh, I figured out over the course of forty years, I've literally spent about <laughs> about 12 uh, probably 14 of those 40 years in town the rest wow. of them yeah he's, yep.
3: been, he's very nomadic and and so am I um, so it, it works
0: yeah. I mean you just yeah. it, you just live that actor's life where you you come home from a gig you're home for a month phone rings you go back out. You finish that gig, you come home, the phone rings again, you go back out. I mean, that's yeah. literally what I did except yep. for, you know, the 12 to 14 years of doing shows in New York. Yep.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I think that it's, you're such a great example of people who have made you make the most out of that. And I think some people, because of the vision of what our families tell us our lives are supposed to be, can feel oppressed by that nomadic mm-hmm. life and not actually thrive in it and mm-hmm. I, you guys thrive and i think it's such a beautiful example for people to just hear that like you can raise a child and have mm-hmm. a family and and live uh and a still life. be happily married yep. and
1: mm-hmm. yep. and that's you what i love about you guys prison. too is that you're so like Brett was saying so positive and that your connection is so real for one another and You've always been so open and generous with me too, because I think when I first met you guys, I was like the boyfriend of Brett. But We're like, honestly, you. like you guys, oh, no, I mean, that was just my own stuff. But you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like I, you guys have well, you're so just always been love. so I mean, open I don't know how and- Yes, you're, please. You're no, Steven, you're really the most
3: wonderful like human. Why would we not? Oh
1: no, but you guys are awesome. And also, I want to know if there's one thing mm-hmm. we're I know. running,
2: we're I way know, over time. Okay, we're way over oh. time. We're over time. So we gotta, All right. we gotta move up. on to our next segment. So well, we do a segment every episode. Yeah. We do a segment we call Spotlight on Love, where someone <laughs> writes in We have a a listener write in and want some sort of relationship or family advice. Mm -hmm. Um, So we we're going to throw this story your way and see what kind of advice you might want to offer to this listener. Cool. Yes. Cool. Okay. So they're they want to remain anonymous. Okay. Um, Hi anonymous. Hi anonymous. I'm in quarantine with my spouse in their hometown, and we both have become very aware of her family's drinking, especially her brother, who every time we see him, he's in some state of inebriation. How do we address this without making our living situation more uncomfortable than the virus has already made it?
1: Mm. Wow. Mm. That's our question, eh?
2: Where's my cocktail?
3: <laughs> where do we even start with this? Okay. I know where to start with this. Okay. So, mm, triggers. All right. So, let's see. Uh, here's how I would start with this. You cannot change anyone in the world but yourself. You have a choice to how to respond to everything, every moment of the day. And you can only change how you feel about things. Um, It is therefore your duty under those circumstances to take care of yourself emotionally, mentally, physically. And um, you cannot allow their behavior to affect you or your spouse and you have to communicate with your spouse about that. Um, it's extremely, uh, difficult in families that have drinking problems. And I, um, have done a lot of work, um, to within myself and a lot of healing and a lot of recovery and a lot of, um, Uh, work. I, I practice meditation every day and I can't advocate enough for that. Um, It resets your neurons. It allows you to see the world from uh, a clarity that is very hard to uh, achieve, especially right now in the crazy times we're, we're going through. There's so much civil unrest and racial unrest and health scare. And I mean, it's just, it's insane right now. Um, So the best thing you can do is, is take care of your, yourself. That's all you can do.
0: You also live in a world of one too. And what I mean by that is you create your own reality. You create the world that you live in. So if you stay aligned and connected to that, that sense of oneness you don't you don't need to 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 concern yourself with um the beast that comes in and throws something at the mirror in the castle You don't that's not your business if you live in a world of one you control your own reality you're aligned human being and others cannot penetrate that yes. so in this time where we are all in the household together we're all in a household. Of five months with a seven-year-old—you, you, you really—you, you, you just need to to stay focused and stay aligned, really, yeah, and yeah.
3: and do whatever yeah. it takes to do that. Whether it's meditation, whether it's just being alone, whether it's taking a walk by yourself with a mask, whether it's yeah. listening to this podcast—you know, you you have to stay uh, centered within your 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 truth and yourself mm-hmm. and.
0: Um, it's how you react. It's, it's, not, it's yeah. It's how it's how you respond. You can have a knee-jerk reaction, or you can simply think, process, and respond.
3: And come at it with love. Come at it with uh, compassion. Yep. Try to practice compassion for those people that yep. are numbing themselves. Don't have the c- capacity to yep. um, align themselves. Um, yep. There, there really is
0: the same person who needs your love who's bleeding in the streets um is also the same person who's who's yelling and screaming on the subway and is really mean and scary and you can't wait to get away from them they both need your love
1: mm-hmm.
0: they both need your love everyone needs your love mm-hmm.
2: uh so well said that was yeah nothing that was, yeah
1: about. i mean I'm like reading this question, I was like, Oh, god, I don't even know where to begin. And Meredith,
2: you were just it's so beautiful, bam. Damn. Right on, yeah, it's beautiful. And, um, <laughs> and, and we just want to say we love you, both yeah. of you. We so love you, thank guys. you. It's, we love you guys. It's what
3: you said before, it's family.
2: You are your family to you're us. Family. You're family. Make sure you guys go follow them. We have all of their social media handles in the show notes, so check the show notes out um so you can follow them on Instagram and YouTube and all the goodies um uh where any any projects you guys have coming up
3: um <laughs> yes we are so busy we are no, so busy no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no no i was I, i'm so amazed and and proud of people that are like able to create content right now and do things. And they're like making a difference. We have literally just taken this time to really go inward. And that's what that, uh, and I've actually kind of needed it and loved it. I've, I've, I have focused so much on, um, on allowing healing to happen, allowing to uh, slowing down and softening. Um, that's where i mean that's my project next i think i'm going to become a a meditation instructor actually (laughs) but um but uh that's been my my project is really is really going inward and it's been amazing
0: i've got something i can promote oh stevie has something oh
2: yeah oh yes what is it
0: uh i had to go get my phone uh do you guys know tim jerome brett did you do the show with tim jerome Um, He was Maurice, uh, terrific actor. Um, He is doing something um, uh, on WBAI 99.5 FM. It's a series of podcasts. Um, I guess it's not a podcast. It's an actual radio show, like the old time radio serials. And uh, we are doing Sundown. We're doing the recording I did Back in the early 2000s, uh, Judy McLean and I and uh, Patrick Ryan Sullivan were all getting getting back together. It's the it's the tale of Wyatt Earp and the OK Corral uh, told through kind of a Doc Holiday um, angle So we're doing we're doing a, a radio show on Sundown, and they're going to do the music, and we're doing the, the script and everything
3: and there's a recording of it uh sundown recording so they're just going to play the recording that they did beautiful music oh my gosh yeah the music all
2: right we'll send we'll, we'll put links yeah we'll put links to all that uh, down below as well okay great um all right well we love you guys love thank you for you coming on thank you for the podcast you all. love so y'all much. thank you for making and it and, possible and everyone who's listening don't forget to love who you love yeah. and love what you do